There's a book in the Bible where the name of God is never mentioned. You can read the entire book. You won't find one religious word in it. Not God, not Jesus, not mercy, peace, grace. It's the book of Esther in the Old Testament. But even though God's name is nowhere mentioned in the book, you sense his presence there, dominating everything that happens. It's kind of like, kind of like a large dollhouse where the roof is removed some huge father can lean into the dollhouse. He can move the people around. He can rearrange the furniture. He can do anything he wants in the doll. The huge father nowhere appears in the dollhouse, but he controls everything that happens. And that's kind of how it is in the book of Esther. God nowhere appears in the book, but he controls everything that's happening. This morning, I would like to tell the story of Esther through the eyes of one of the minor characters in the book. The man is on the palace staff. He's an aide to the king. He's on the inside. He sees everything that's going on. How would this man, who never hears the name of God, how would he understand what he sees happening? How would he how would he explain it? My name is Harbona. My job depends on what country you're in. In Britain, I would be called a personal valet. In your country, male private secretary. In my country, I am Harbona, Chamberlain to Xerxes, King of Persia. You may know him by the name Ahasuerus. I am his Chamberlain. At first, I uh, hesitated to take the job. You never knew about Xerxes. One day, you'd be going along fine. You'd be friends with him. And then without warning, he would turn on you. And it would be all over for you. For example, once Pythias, one of his officials, offered Xerxes $40 million to help finance one of our military campaigns. $40 million. Xerxes was... Overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the loyalty, refused the money, even gave Pythias a present besides. But then a little later, when Pythias hinted that maybe his oldest son could be excused from the military campaign, Xerxes was so infuriated, he hacked the boy in two and he marched his army down the road between the pieces. You never knew about Xerxes. Another time, another time, a storm at sea destroyed 300 of his ships. Xerxes grabbed a strap. He went down to the seashore, and he beat the sea 300 times 
one free ship. See why I hesitated to take the job? <laughs> but I took it. And I made up my mind, I'm going to get along with Xerxes. I'm never going to rub him the wrong way. Just go with the tide. But let me, let me tell you about a series of amazing coincidences that have happened here in Persia lately. We've had the most peculiar chain of events take place. It's kind of funny how it all worked out. It all started with what we call the Bay of Salamis fiasco. Okay? Xerxes was making a bid to take over Greece. And he was doing pretty well until one naval battle in the Bay of Salamis, the entire Persian navy was destroyed. Xerxes had to sneak back to Persia on a fishing boat. Well, for the longest time after that, he was down in the dumps. Brooded all day long. No spark. No interest. And then he started moaning about Vashti. Poor Vashti. How he'd done her wrong. Vashti was the queen he had gotten rid of. Hey, I admit, unfortunate affair, but what's past is past. It wouldn't do any good to mope about it. I thought to myself, something got to be done to put some life back in the search. What can we do? What can we do? I know women. Women. And lots of them. Lots of them. So I told him my idea. Xerxes, why don't you gather beautiful young virgins from all over the kingdom here to the palace? Why don't you get to know them? You might find one you like well enough to make your new queen. He went for the idea. It wasn't long until we had best-looking girls in all Persia, right here at the palace. Xerxes saw them all. But there was one in particular that caught his eye. And he began to see more and more of her. And pretty soon, Xerxes had found himself a new queen. The girl's name was Esther. As far as I'm concerned, he'd picked the best one. A real beauty. Only thing about Esther, though, she didn't look Persian to me. She was dark complexion, but bah. What difference does that make? She was a good-looking queen, and Xerxes was his old self again. 
Things went on real smooth after that for about five years. And then one day when Xerxes was holding court in hopped Haman. Haman was the king's favorite. Haman had been rapidly rising in our State Department over the past few years. Now he was actually number two man in the kingdom. I didn't care for Haman. I didn't trust him. Never told Xerxes, mm, go with the tide. Anyway, Haman had this little speech all prepared for Xerxes. Xerxes, scattered throughout your kingdom, there are a group of people who are a very disruptive element. They have their own peculiar laws. They don't pay attention to our Persian ones. It's really to your disadvantage to continue to tolerate them. I, I suggest that we pass a decree that they be destroyed. I myself will provide personal funds to take care of the matter. Sounded like a good idea, Haman, I guess. Follow through on it. Uh, Haman, keep your money, use government funds. Just like that. Didn't ask Haman who he was talking about. But it wasn't Xerxes that puzzled me so much. I mean, that's just the way he was sometimes. It was Haman. I couldn't see what Haman was getting at. It's not like him to be so free with his money unless he's getting something out of it. What was it? I, well, the, the fellow who taught Haman's sons was a friend of mine. I asked him, you know what it was? Haman wanted to wipe out an entire race of people because he was irritated with one member of that race. Yeah. Just because he was irritated with one of them, he wanted to destroy them all. I saw a copy of the decree after he got through filling it out. It was brutal. Destroy, kill, and annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, on December 13th, and confiscate their property. Destroy, kill, annihilate. That ought to do it. All Jews, young, old, women, children, December 13th. Those poor Jews have nine months to live. Here was his problem. We have in Persia what we call a citizen's council. This council is made up of one representative from every national, racial, ethnic group in the kingdom. And the purpose of this council, this representative council, is to decide minor issues that you don't bring to the attention of the king. Well, it's Haman's job, as number two man in the kingdom, to drop in on this council every so often, make sure everything's going okay. Whenever Haman comes into this council meeting, all the representatives from all the national ethnic groups, all the representatives get up and bow down to Haman. All the representatives bow down, except for the Jewish representative, who just stays seated 
in his chair. And that's all Haman saw. All the representatives bowing down, except for the Jewish representatives sitting there looking at him. Okay, with you, Mr. Jewish representative. I'll get you and your people. And that's who he was after, the Jews. whole thing didn't make sense to me. Near as I could tell, the reason the Jewish representative didn't get up, bowed down, was because it was somehow against his religious beliefs. We Persians have always been tolerant of other people's religion. Nah. That Haman gets my goat. I thought of saying something to Xerxes, but why stick my neck out? Anyway, too late, too late. The decree was already being circulated throughout the kingdom. A few days later, I was on the second floor, going by an open area window that looked out into the courtyard, and I heard some awful commotion out in the courtyard. Some guy out there was wailing, screaming, and he was a mess, a mess. His hair was... <laughs> His clothes had been face smeared with ashes. Somebody's got to tell that guy, get away from the palace. I was going over to the steps to go down and tell him when I bumped into Haytack. Haytack, Queen's attendant. He seemed to be heading the same way I was, only he was carrying some clothes. So what, what, what are you, where are you going? What are you going to do? He says, I'm going out to that guy out in the courtyard. The Queen wants me to give him these clean clothes. Huh. All right, I'll let you take care of it. And tell him to get away from the palace. <laughs> that Esther. <laughs> oh, heart. I mean, how many queens do you know that would care about a bum that needed clothes, huh? But Haytack's coming back in. He still has the clothes with him. What's the matter? Weren't they his size? <laughs> do you know who that is? No. That's the Jewish representative. Ah. Well, he probably does have something to holler about if he's seen the decree. I don't know. He just gave me this piece of paper, and he told me to give it to Esther. Let me see. Yeah, copy of the decree. Why give it to Esther? It's none of her affair. He just told me to tell Esther to see Xerxes about it. See, Xerxes, Xerxes doesn't know anything. <laughs> he knows it's about the, but he doesn't know it's against the Jews. Besides that, why go through the queen? What's she got to do with it? I don't know, but I better do it like he said. Let me have it back, okay? All right. Mm -hmm. A little later that day, I saw Haytack again. He looked like he was sitting on a powder keg. Hi, Haytack, how's it going? Arbona, Arbona, you'll never believe it. The queen's a Jewess. You're kidding. 
she's Jewish. No wonder she didn't look Persian to me. <laughs> when I showed her the decree, she turned real pale, but she doesn't want to go in and see Xerxes. He hasn't called for her in about a month now. Yeah, he's having one of his moods again lately. Anyway, she told me to go back and tell the Jewish representative. He's, he's her uncle. His name is Mordecai. She told me to tell her uncle Mordecai it was not a good time to go in and see Xerxes. That if she went in uninvited, he might do something severe. But Mordecai said to tell her, good time or no, it's against all Jews. And being queen won't spare her. So what's Esther going to do? She's going to take her chances and go in and see Xerxes. Harbona, you think we ought to say something to Xerxes about this? Are you kidding? I'm not about to get caught between Haman, Esther, and Xerxes. Let events take care of themselves. But I thought to myself, Things are going to get interesting around here. Haman has a decree out against all Jews, only he doesn't know that Esther is a Jew and Xerxes is in the dark about everything. Didn't have long to wait. A few days later, Xerxes is holding court. <clears throat> Side door opens. Esther. Man, she looks good. <laughs> she really fixed herself up. Xerxes took one look and he lowered the scepter, which meant that she was free to approach. And when she got closer, he could tell that something was bothering her. And you ought to hear him. He can be real tender when he wants to be. Esther, uh, what is it? Is there something I can do for you? What would you like? And I thought she was going to come out with it, but she didn't. And I thought later, okay, Haman wasn't there. Because what she said was, would Xerxes and Haman join her for lunch in the queen's suite? Okay. Lunchtime came. Xerxes again tried to find out what, what's all this about. And she wouldn't tell him. She said, would Haman and Xerxes join her again tomorrow for a second lunch? And I thought, what are you waiting for? Why don't you come out with it? But you know, it's kind of funny. If she'd have told him at that first lunch, it would have been too soon because of what happened between those two lunches. If she told him at that first lunch, it would have been too soon because a couple of interesting things happened before that second lunch. Yeah, it's kind of funny how all these things sort of fell into place. Now, the first thing that happened, and I got this from the tutor at Haman's house, Haman practically floated home on a cloud from that first lunch. Okay? 
threw a big party that night, invited all of his friends in, told them his own personal success story, how much money he had, how he'd been rapidly promoted in the State Department, and today the climax, private luncheon engagements with royalty. The only moth in his Persian rug was Mordecai. <laughs> Even with a decree out, Mordecai still would not get up and bow down. And so Haman and his friends decided that they would fix up that huge tree in Haman's backyard into a gallows, and that Haman would talk to Xerxes first thing in the morning about hanging the Jewish representative on it. The second thing that happened between those two lunches, that night, Xerxes couldn't sleep. And he usually slept like a log. But about 2 o'clock in the morning, I heard him. Harbona! Harbona! I was in the next room asleep. Yes. Harbona, I can't sleep. Bring something to read to me. How about the memoirs of your reign? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. I got the scrolls. I came back. Any particular place you want me to start reading? <laughs> Two, three years back. So I started reading. After I'd been reading about 15 minutes, I came to a very interesting paragraph. Something about how one day on his way to the Citizens Council meeting, the Jewish representative overheard a plot to assassinate the king. The Jewish representative tipped off the queen and foiled the plot and saved the king's life. Xerxes perked up when I read that. I remember Esther telling me something about... Was anything ever done to reward... The, what's his name, Mordecai? <laughs> Mordecai. Was anything ever done to reward him? And the next few paragraphs. No? Harbona? First thing in the morning, you remind me. We'll take care of that oversight. Okay. This is a fine how do you do. Haman's going to hang him. Xerxes is going to honor him. I can't wait for morning. <laughs> First thing on the throne, Xerxes didn't need any reminding. Is any of my advisors available? Somebody says, Haman's outside. Send him in. In came Haman. Rare to tell the king his idea about hanging the Jewish. Never got the first word out. Never got. Haman, there's a man in my kingdom that I owe a lot to. I'm deeply indebted to this man, and I want in some public way 
to show my appreciation. Haman, do you have any ideas? Do you have any ideas? Did Haman have any ideas? He thought it was himself. Ah, yes, Xerxes, let's see. Uh, for, 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 for whoever this might be. Um, uh, I would put a gold crown on his head. I would drape the king's ceremonial robes over his shoulder. I would set him on the king's stallion, and I would have one of your leading officials conduct him through the public square, shouting, this is the man the king wants to honor. Amen. That's good. That's good. Look, you're a leading official. I want you to do all of that for the Jewish representative. His name's Mordecai. He'll be getting out of the council meeting right about now. And you meet him there with, with all of those trimmings that you just mentioned. And, and, and Haman, shout loud. <laughs> I owe this man a lot. I wish you could have seen Haman's face. One minute he's He looked whipped when he went out. Xerxes turned to me and said, what's, what's, what's the matter with Haman? Doesn't he feel well? No, I don't think so. <laughs> we, we got glowing reports of Haman's little parade. By the time they came for that second lunch, when Haman arrived, he looked a little peaked, but he had pulled himself together. It was a good lunch. Haman, Xerxes, Esther. And as they were lingering over dessert, Xerxes turned to Esther. He said, Esther, something's been on your mind the past few days. I want you to tell me what it is. Is there, is there something I can do for you? Is there, is there something I can give you? I thought, here it comes, here it comes. Sure enough. Yes, Xerxes, there's something you can do for me. There's something you can give me. Give me my life. Give me the lives of my people. For we are about to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. Each one of those words was like a slap in the face to Haman. And Xerxes says, what are you talking about? Who would dare do such a thing? Name the man. Haman. Haman, against the decree. Yeah, that was too much for Xerxes. He had to go out onto the patio outside to think things over. And when Xerxes left, Haman fell apart. He fell. Yes. I had no idea. Esther, I never would have. Please, Esther, you've got to believe. She just turned her face away from him. He got up, came over to where she was sitting, got down on his knees to beg her to listen when she wouldn't pay any attention. He began to kind of grab at her so that she would pay and listen to him. Just then Xerxes came back in, saw Esther kind of pushing, <laughs> came up with the wrong idea. Will you molest the queen in my own palace? Cover his face. And that was it for Haman. When you cover the face, when you drop the death hood, 
It's all over. I spoke up then. I, I don't usually, but it, it seems safe. It seems safe. Uh, Xerxes, Haman had fixed up that tree in his backyard to uh, hang the Jewish representative, makes a high gallows, hang him on it. And they did. They did. They also passed a new decree. In Persia, you cannot revoke a decree once it's out there, but you can pass another decree to balance it or counter-affect it. And the new decree said, when December 13th came, the Jews could use whatever means they wanted to to resist anyone who came to do them harm. In fact, this, the new decree went on to say the Jews could actually band together and take the initiative against their enemies, and the government would ask no questions. You should have seen the Jews dancing in the street when that one came out. <laughs> Later that day, I was on that second floor window area, thinking over the amazing chain of events. Esther, being picked queen out of all those girls. Mordecai, saving the king's life. Xerxes, having insomnia just the right night. Looked out in the street, saw the Jews dancing, celebrating. Looked over the palace wall in the distance, saw Haman dangling from the tree. And as I thought about how all those coincidences had worked together, I said to myself, those Jews, they sure are lucky. Now to the God who has chosen you, chosen you, made you special in his eyes, to the God who hovers around you unseen, to protect you from harm, and to give you the future he's planned for you. To our great and good God, be glory and praise and thanks forever. Amen. Amen.